Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim. And I'm Noelle Cordeaux. We are the founders of Lumia. And we're super passionate about all things coaching, and we want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training thousands of life coaches. Let's dive into the science and magic of coaching. On today's episode, Noelle and I are going to talk about the five things never to do as a life coach, and I'm pretty sure I've done all of them. Noelle, good morning. Good morning. You know what? I've done all of them too. No way. I don't believe that. Well, we'll that. get into it. All right. Let's talk about it. I've been coaching for what, 12 years about at this point. So in, in the beginning, these are mistakes that a lot of people make and we don't view mistakes in a punitive way at Lumia. It's just data. It's all learning and we can always do better. This isn't like skeletons in your closet that we're not, there's no blame. There's no shame. This is, um, you know, what life coaches go through and, uh, what not to do. So Noel and I, I guess we were the, the, the people that, uh, you could learn from our story, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and these are the conversations that coaches should be having. And these are the conversations that we have inside Lumia because mm -hmm. It's so easy to fall into the traps of mistaking one thing for another and having that mirror and accepting uh, shortcomings with grace and then course correcting is what it's all about. Right. So a number one mistake, what is the first one? And these are not uh, in order as far as like, you know, the, the, <laughs> the level of mistake, right? They're random. They are. Yeah, they are. They are super random and, and they're, they're broad strokes. So I was mm -hmm. thinking about when you first become a coach, right? Um, if you're, if you're well into your career and you're making these mistakes, we should have another conversation about what's going on for you. But you know, the, the first big one, and I think this comes from the position and John, I think you can shed a lot more light onto this, but this comes from the position that, uh, visibility, um, plays in our world that people sometimes mistake having a good marketing strategy or a brand mm. or a lot of followers for actual competency in the craft of coaching. Yeah. So, so tying your ability to help someone to numbers. So whether that is uh, views, followers, likes, like all that stuff. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And the fact that, you know, a brand is a wonderful thing to have, but that doesn't um, give you any indication of what you need to be doing in session or the right. ethical standards right. that you need to be aware of as a coach. Yeah, this is a great one. And, and I think this is uh, something that I know um, that I've struggled with and, you know, we all get caught up or most of us, not Noelle, she's not really active on social, but, but, but <laughs> if you're active on social, um, it's very easy if you're human to get caught up in uh, the the followers, the likes, you know, all of that stuff. And then you start to um, move your uh, your worth chips there. And then you forget that that's not really what life coaching, you know, the value of um, helping someone isn't in that. It's actually in the the session, you know. Absolutely. And the reason that I wanted to highlight this is because 
the field of coaching is becoming more and more regulated. That is just, it's happening just like any industry that goes from being a baby to a young adult. We're there now. So there's, there's regulation, there's checks and balances. And one of the things that's happening for coaches, because there are such recognized ethics standards, tenets, empirical basis, um, codified ways that you need to function as a coach and what you need to do in order to quote unquote, say that you're a coach in the eyes of many industries is that if you're functioning without awareness of what's going on in the space, you run the risk of engaging in fraud. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I don't think a lot of folks are aware of as it pertains to the discipline. And you'd be doing a disservice to yourself, the beautiful brand that you built and the people you're engaging with. Yes. And this is why uh, training and education is imperative. Oh, very much so. You don't know what you don't know. And, you know, I don't think that um, anyone can be expected to, you know, just kind of absorb this stuff through osmosis. But, um, you know, something that a, a simple example that I've seen along the way is that an unpracticed coach or someone who's not really um, familiar with the field and the ethics and standards might advertise that they can generate healing for mm. their clients. Right. And while that is an absolutely lovely sentiment and a beautiful intention, you can't promise healing in your advertising as a coach. And that's where you run the risk of engaging with folks who are going to be expecting one thing, not receiving it. And that's where you can get into trouble with yeah. clients. Yeah. Especially these days where healing is, you know, become a bumper sticker. Healing has become cool and commercialized. So everyone thinks they, they can heal. Well, and that's so subjective, right? Yeah. It's so subjective. And speaking of social media, do you know what I just discovered this week? Hmm. There are message requests in Instagram. Yes. They're called uh, DMs. Is that what you're talking about? Direct messages? Well, I knew about DMs, <laughs> but then there was this whole other little pocket that I didn't know about. That's like, I had like years worth in there of people who tried to get in touch with me and I didn't know it existed. So I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry. <laughs> there are so many things. And then there's always something new every week. Um, it, it is overwhelming, but you know, to say, as we move on to number two, uh, as far as social goes, it should only be one planet that is revolving around you, not you revolving around that planet. Um, one of many, you know, so uh, there, there are so many other ways to, of course, help people and, you know, um, be a catalyst, extend your gifts. Social is just one. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of making that the only one, and then it could get dangerous. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so number two, and this ties into social, the way that we see ourselves, the, um, what I call the cult of toxic individuality. Mm -hmm. And that is a risk of making it all about you in session. Sure. Um, I've made the mistake of uh, 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 hitting moments of this in session and then realizing it and, you know, uh, quickly uh, aligning. I have two. Yeah, I have two. And the reason I wanted to draw awareness to this is because one of the things that we teach at Lumia in coach training is that your story is your gold, right. that your story is so very important and it will attract others to you. It's where authenticity begins. And that can be a very confusing 
message. Cause wait a second, if my story is what's important about me, why can't I use it in session? And it's very nuanced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what, what your experience has been, but for me, when I know that I have an urge to cross the line into a zone that's not serving the client. Right. I feel like I did when I was a little kid in class where I knew the answer to the question and I, and I didn't even have my hand up in the air. I had like my other arm holding my hand up in the air and I was like waving around like, I know the answer. Um, and yes. it's, it's that, yeah. that feeling of like, I need to get my thing out. That is the, the cue. Yeah. And you know, um, most people think coaching is about advice. And if you are giving advice, then you are um, by default making it about you. You are. So here's, I remember, and, and there's, there's, there's lots of different ways to do this. So I was, I'm thinking of a time, so I'm divorced, you're divorced. Um, There was once a time when a client and many clients have shared with me, but I remember one client very vividly who shared with me, she said the words for the first time, you know, I I think I want to have a divorce. And the reason that I remember this so vividly is because it was early in my career. And I had such a strong desire to trash my own Mm ex-husband in that moment. And I was consciously aware that that was a bad idea and that that wouldn't serve my client. And yet I I wanted to. So what ended up happening was I I paused and I I just kind of said, whoa, like those are really big words to say. And she started crying mm. and I was like, oh, thank God she's crying. I can get, you know, gives me a, a second to collect yeah. myself. <laughs> and, 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 and so, you know, if you're listening to this thing, geez, Noel's a shit coach. Like this is what happens in session. When you are serving humans, you have to deal with your own mind, your own history, your mm-hmm. own memory, your own ego, and what's going on with the client all at the same time. That's why doing all of these practice sessions as are required of students is really important because you have to get the hang of focusing on all of these different pieces of yourself. Yeah. You got to feel it out and know when it's bubbling, when, when you are yes. actually kind of, you know, you, and, and that, you know, at the end of the day, that is self-awareness, right? So whether you are uh, doing this in session or out with your friends, just being aware of self, uh, what's coming up and if your shared is going to help the other person or help yourself put the spot, spotlight on you. I have, a uh, I have the saying that, uh, comes from this, uh, uh, I, it was years ago I said this, but I said, um, when you don't make it about you, the universe will. And it actually came from my experience, um, as a coach in sessions where if I, uh, didn't make it about me, those were always the best sessions. Those were, I felt like, you know, the, the most powerful. And I felt like, um, th- those sessions were bigger than me. And, um, that's what came out is if you don't make it about you, the universe will make it about you. That's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Can we please add this to our ongoing list of t-shirts? Yes. That will never, that, all the t-shirts <laughs> that are never getting made, we're adding this to the pile. They are getting made. We have a Lumia merch shop that is in development. So we just have to figure out how to, you know, go back through the podcast <laughs> and, nice. and pull out all of the different moments. But I love that. And that's so true, you know, and, and that leads us 
right into number three, which is a big one for coaches. And it's, we repeat it so much, but it's so true. And it's when you are working as a coach, when, when someone has actually contracted with you and they're paying you for your coaching services, please, please, please don't give advice. Yeah. And I, and I think that, um, we, uh, want to do this because we're so used to doing it, uh, because, you know, it, usually a, a coach is the person who people have come, um, to for advice. So they have that relationship where advice is encouraged. And then, so when they go through coach training and realize, oh, it's not about giving advice now, it's really hard to, to, you know, untangle that un rewire that. Yes. And it's, this is a little bit different from making it all about you. So here, what we're looking for when we're evaluating ourselves and working with ourselves, because personal development is professional development and coaches, what we want to be aware of are these verbal cues of saying, you should consider, you should do, you should say, you need to is a big one. And just thinking about those words and getting used to hearing them come out of your own mouth. Maybe you don't want to practice noticing your own words in session. Maybe you want to practice noticing it when you're out with your friends and how often you tell people what they should be doing just so you can begin that practice of becoming aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Giving advice. And it is. Yeah. And there, there are lots of different ways to work in session where you can offer an idea or a concept to your client without being directive. So I can model a couple of them now. Um, so if, uh, if, if you, you know, if you're listening to your client and they are legitimately in a situation where they don't know how to respond to something and, and you might have an idea, uh, something that I might say is, would you like me to model a response for you? that I might give, and then you can tell me what you think about it. Mm, right. So an example kind of thing. Yeah. Give yeah. an example. And then yeah. the, the way it works in coaching is whenever you give an example, you immediately ask your client, well, what did you think about that? You're not saying, you know, this is the way you're saying right, this is just right. one idea. Right. Um, and then another one is, is, is legitimate brainstorming when both coach and client come to the table and agree, like, all right, we're going to brainstorm. You know, I have an idea for your consideration. Are you open to brainstorming with me and set the rules? Like, we're just both going to throw ideas here to see if we can generate, you know, a whole lot of different options. That way your client is actively participating and partnering with you. Mm -hmm. So here, when you look at the ICF code of ethics, there's a lot of language in there about engaging your client in active partnership. And I think that that can be really confusing for folks. So this is what that means is saying, you know, hey, client, let's brainstorm together. We'll do it together. Um, and are there anything that that's coming up for you, John, or, or ways that you would um, approach this in session? Yeah, I uh, I love the whole with you instead of at you. And um, I have in the past said, here's what has worked for me. And I know that's really inching toward that line of advice or not. Um, I also know on the flip side, I also know that if you are really um, focusing on not giving advice, that could trip you up. I think a lot of our students... Um, because they realize, oh, you're not supposed to give it. Now they're, they're so scared that they're going to give advice that they end up not being themselves. So you also don't want to do that as well. You know? 
Oh yeah. And when you're in session, it's really easy to course correct. Mm -hmm. If you find yourself saying something like, Oh, you know, here's what I think. And your, your client says, Oh, okay. You know, turn it around and put that client back in the driver's seat and acknowledge it and say, Hey, I just gave my opinion, but it's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. What do you think about it client? And, And that redirect that of consistently putting the client back in the driver's seat Mm -hmm. is the fix for really all of this stuff. And it has a really strong secondary outcome. And that is, is that when a coach continuously redirects the client to be the decision maker, that client learns over time that they do have agency Mm -hmm. and it's really powerful. Yeah. Number four, things never to do as a coach is making assumptions about who your client is, what they want, or, you know, what their lives are like based on your own experience. So um, putting shoulds on your client, you know, um, giving them ideas of what uh, their definition should be, whether we're talking about life or love, career, all of it. Oh yeah. And this is, this is huge because we're human as coaches and the only lens that we have is our own. And the ICF code of ethics really clearly specifies the need for intersectional awareness. And I want to stress that this is, this is a big area of growth for all coaches. And it takes an entire lifetime of building and gaining awareness, becoming aware of bias, checking your own ego, centering the client, asking questions Mm -hmm. and figuring out when and where we might make assumptions. I'll give you an example. So if I said to a coach or like anyone, you know, out there in the world, like, Hey, once I, I cheated on my husband, right? Most folks would that I've encountered in those situations where somebody drops that, like kind of suck their breath in and go (gasps) and have a response to that because there's a value assignment associated with it. So have you ever been in that situation as a coach where somebody's just like dropped a bomb? Yeah. All the time. All the time. This this is number, this number four is basically don't be your parents. (laughs) Yeah. It's coming from care. It's, and you know what, you know what, if you're a nurturer, you know, like your nurturer, um, I, I would assume this would be harder because it is coming from care. It is coming from love. It is coming from, you know, your wisdom and what you think is best. But um, yes, it is lined with control. It is now going back to, um, you know, taking the uh, power or voice away from your client and instead enabling them. Uh, and yeah, this has happened so many times in, in my session. And if it's something that I have personally been through, it's so hard to not put that shit on them, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, you know, uh, like, as it turns out, I'm not a monogamous human. And mm-hmm. so the fact that I seek relationships outside of my marriage is, is totally sanctioned and ethical. And I've had therapists try to shame me yeah, for my yeah. orientation and my sure. identity. And I'm like, fuck off, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so this is what's on the other side of, of this standard is that if we don't, trust our clients when they tell us who they are, or when we don't um, 
take the time to examine the fact that we have an assumption, you know, whatever it is. Uh, like if someone says to me like, oh, you know, I'm a chef. I immediately form a story in my head of what it means to be a chef because we all operate based on stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I can't take anything for granted. I need to ask my client, oh, that's really cool. What does that mean to you? What does your life look like? Because I would have no idea otherwise. And I can't mm -hmm. assume that I do. Yeah. This is a uh, just a great one um, for the the landscape today and how things are changing and, you know, just basically, um, staying on your side of the bed <laughs> without, yeah, judgment. yeah, without judgment. And yeah. so just the big ones that I want to point out that we need to be super aware of are, uh, race, mm -hmm. gender expression, um, orientation, expression, immigrant status is mm -hmm. actually a really sneaky one. Um, so John, you are the child of, of immigrants. How did mm -hmm. that make you different from other kids in an oh, invisible yeah. way, oh, in, so in a really ways. invisible way? Sure. Sure. Um, feeling like the outsider, um, wanting to be quote unquote American, um, all of that stuff, you know, growing up, uh, in the eighties where, uh, Asians, um, you know, it wasn't that far back from Jerry Lewis taping his eyes back and Asians weren't cool. They weren't portrayed in media. So always feeling like uh, the outsider trying to trying to get into the party uh, most of my life. And I'm sure that has, you know, wired me a certain way. So, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. So, you know, all of the things that you just described are, um, you know, subconscious and ingrained mechanisms that probably caused you to think and act a certain way. Mm -hmm over your lifespan and, and they are all invisible. So if yes. you were working with a coach who never took the time to understand what it meant for you to be the child of immigrants or just said, Oh, well, you are, you're from LA like that. Like, you know, that has no impact. Mm -hmm. That would be a massive blind spot for coaching right. client. Yeah. Um, some other ones are access or lack of access to generational wealth, um, educational status, family mm -hmm. structure, uh, like single parenthood, multiple parents, um, being from, a you know, a binary family, uh, religion, and then e even language barriers that when folks speak multiple languages or, um, don't have the dominant language wherever they live as their first language, language tends to take on different meanings and meaning can get very mixed up. And so the coach has to be super um, clear and intentional about asking questions around words if things don't line up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And finally, this is uh, obvious or it might be obvious, but it's also uh, very important uh, because it happens all the time. It's a mistake that we make, and that is breaking confidentiality. I think as a coach, uh, because it's a little more, uh, it's it's less clinical that uh, maybe coaches feel like there's room to break confidentiality. And uh, no, you, you shouldn't. No. <laughs> you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. And the this is another area where it's very nuanced and you don't know what you don't know. And so we're putting a flashlight on it today because there are some weird rules that apply to coaching and coaching only. So first of all, coaching isn't a privileged profession. So upfront clients need to know that coaching isn't a privileged profession. We just had a situation 
uh, Lumio or somebody wanted to um, join the program and they were a therapist and they said, oh, I'm just going to transition all of my therapy clients over to coaching clients. And and that's a big no-no. Like, first Mm -hmm. of all, like that's actually one of the rules is you can't transfer clients from one modality to another Mm -hmm. and have that client expect that it be the same service because they're not all of those therapy clients would lose their, their, their privilege, their, their expectation of confidentiality in that moment. Um, and if the client waives confidentiality, then you could talk about them openly, but most clients don't, Mm -hmm. um, and another piece of this that is very unique to coaching is that confidentiality gets in place before someone has ever been your client. And even if they never become your client, it starts mm-hmm. at the point of inquiry. Right. And that's hard to, to kind of hold in mind because it's like, oh, well, I never did business with that person. And it's like, that's true, but they still asked you for a session maybe. And so it, it takes place before, during, and then after working with a client that you really can't talk about them. Yeah. And also it's, uh, it makes it more difficult today with social media, with, um, people, uh, documenting their stories. Um, you know, uh, something can leak, you could say a name or, you know, uh, it's, it's harder to keep things confidential now today in the world that we live in because, um, the rocks have been, you know, turned over <laughs> and everyone, everyone's putting their life online, you know? Yes. And it, it's, it's totally okay. If your clients talk about you, mm-hmm. if your yeah, clients post, you know, right. I just had the most amazing session with John Kim mm-hmm. He's the, you know, like sweet. We love that, you know, tag me all day. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it can't go the other way around. It can't go the other way. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And there's, um, and there, there are some other, you know, really interesting things to think about in terms of confidentiality. So one of them that's, that's new, um, that's been written about quite a bit in the world of ethics and coaching is, um, recording devices that we don't, might not necessarily think about, like having Alexa on mm-hmm. in the room where you're coaching, that's recording everything you and your client is saying that yeah. negates the confidentiality of a session. And this is the kind of stuff that's happening in modern life that we may not have ever thought about before. Yeah. Yeah. And also for me, uh, living in Los Angeles and then being active on social and then being referred clients um, who may be famous or celebrities. And then if I'm, you know, bringing them into the gym or doing something that is, you know, coaching, um, people are going to talk, assume things, uh, but it's important that you um, do not announce that, you know, the, the relationship, right? So whatever Very people much. think is on them, but you, your, your, your responsibility is not to uh, announce it, announce it. And, and these are conversations that can be very easily remedied up front. Like, Hey client, like, do you want to work out today? I just want to, you know, let's do a 360 before we go into the gym. There mm-hmm. may be people there. They mm-hmm. may see us. They may recognize you. They might re- recognize me. Once you're, what's your comfort level of being known to have some sort of professional or friendship relationship with me Right. and, and have a conversation in that way, because as long as the client is clear and comfortable, that's all that matters. Right. And if you've, uh, if you and your client have decided on something, that's just a little bit different from the way that you typically contract, just get it down in writing so Mm -hmm. that everybody has their record of it. Yep. 
Well, um, we hope this was helpful and this wasn't meant to scare anyone. This was meant to be handrails for your coaching journey. So yes. just to gloss, you know, the, to look over it and uh, just kind of use it as a, as a checklist as you continue to learn, evolve and grow as a coach. Thank you for listening. Be well. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to lumiacoaching.com slash everything. Explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose, and a bold community to do it with. Lumia is ready to equip you with the tools, training, and community you will need to reach your goals. If you're ready to build a unique coaching business on your own terms while making an impact on the world at large, Lumia is the next bold step in your coaching journey. That's lumiacoaching.com slash everything. And hey, if you're waiting for a sign, this is it. <laughs>